0: Welcome to Chapters of Motherhood. This is a weekly podcast about this hashtag mom life that is motherhood with all the struggles, chaos, and true blessings that come with the title mom. I am your host Veronica. At 17 years old, I became a mom for the first time. And at 41, I had a water birth for my fifth baby. The goal of this podcast is to share with you my motherhood experience and hopefully help you realize that you are not alone in your own mom life journey. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, working mom, or a single mom, from potty training struggles, bedtime snuggles, and everything in between, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I share your frustrations and your joys. Every week is a different chapter of motherhood. Welcome everybody to Chapters of Motherhood podcast. I am your host, Veronica. If you've been listening from the beginning, welcome back and thank you so much for your support. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I hope that you find this content relatable and useful. My show is a storytelling format, not an expert advice format, because parenting really is a learn as you go. And every child is different. So your parenting style has to adapt to each child. So I'm not giving you advice, I'm sharing my motherhood stories. So with that said, this is episode nine, baby training. So in this episode, I'm gonna be talking about baby training as in sleep training, self-soothing, and potty training. So starting with sleep training, I know that sleep training has a negative connotation to it, but the reality is that you're simply teaching your baby how to fall asleep on his own or her own. It's not about sleeping through the night, because we're talking about, you know, infants that still wake up in the middle of the night for feedings, like maybe once, twice, three times a night. So this is solely for training your baby on how to fall asleep on his own or her own. So with that said, sleep training usually occurs um, somewhere between four and six months. Now, because I have five children, I have five different experiences, and not one sleep method worked twice. There are basically five common sleep training methods. Um, One is called the faded out sleep training method, which is a very gentle, no tears, no cry, very little crying uh, method of, um, you know, coaching your baby to fall asleep. So for example, you could be like rocking the baby or the hush pat or um, feed to sleep. And basically what you do is um, you just start reducing the amount of time that you do it. So if you, if you're rocking for like 20 minutes, you start cutting it down to 15, you start cutting it down to 10, you start, you start cutting it down and putting the baby to sleep once he's groggy. Then there's the pick up, put down training method, which is, you know, exactly what it sounds like. You put your baby down in the crib or bassinet and when the baby starts fussing, you pick him up and you pat and you put him back down and he, he starts fussing again, you pick him up, and then you calm him down, put him back down. So it's exactly what it sounds like. So eventually the baby will calm down and go to sleep. However, that doesn't work for a lot of babies because they get agitated more that they're being picked up and put down. It works for some, it doesn't work for all. Then there's the chair sleep training method, and this one it works. But there's a little bit more tears because um, basically, you're putting a chair near their crib or bed. And you're just sitting there waiting for them to fall asleep. And some will do and say nothing. And some would suggest that you, you know, tell them I'm here. I love you. You're safe. Don't worry about it. I'm right here with you. So eventually, every night you start moving the chair further and further away. And so that one's pretty simple because eventually they do fall asleep and you do move the chair further and further away. Then there's the Ferber method. Um, Basically, the Ferber method is basically, you know, you check and console method. Um, What you do is you put your groggy baby down in her crib. And when she starts fussing um, or crying, you just let that happen. And you do a time limit on it. Like you do like one minute Then you go and you check and you tell tell the baby, I'm here, it's okay. Or you, you know, pat them or something. And then you leave and then let her fuss and cry for two minutes. And then you go and check and then let her fuss and cry again for four minutes. And then eight minutes, like maximum is 10 minutes before going in and checking. And you're just reassuring them. You're consoling the baby. You don't want to pick up the baby You want to keep the baby in the crib and, you know, give them the passies or turn on their mobiles or whatever it is, but you're consoling them, but you're not picking them up and you're leaving. And every night it gets less and less. And so the goal is that the baby is learning how to fall asleep on his or her own. And the last method is the cry it out method. And this one is the one that, you know, people have a negative connotation to because, um, it's basically exactly what it sounds like. You put your baby down wide awake and you just let them cry it out. And the goal is to then for them to just, you know, learn to be by themselves on their own, fall asleep. And the experts on the cry it out method will say you don't go in and console them. You don't... Um, put anything on for them. You don't go and check. You don't even if they fall asleep, you shut the door, you don't open the door until the next morning. And um, this obviously is not good for a baby that is still feeding during the night. But I have heard uh, stories on experts saying even if your baby has thrown up, you don't go in there. Um, Which this is, you know, I'm just gonna say it don't do this. This is not a good one. Um, because you, you do need to check your baby, you know, you got to make sure that the baby is okay. But that's the cried out method. Um, there are some other experts that you do that they do say, you know, once they have quieted down and fallen asleep, you do go in and check on them. Which I mean, if you're going to do it, at least do it that way. Once they've, you know, calmed down and fallen asleep, go check with them. But I mean, there's no, no learning, you just put them in the crib, walk away, let them cry. But the most important part of sleep training is routine. You have to have a bedtime routine. Once you get a routine going, baby learns that this is what happens before I go to sleep. So that's the most important part. And bedtime routine can be whatever you want it to be. A lot of people, including myself, will do a bedtime routine of bath time, you know, potty, brush your teeth, um, go to bed. You know, that's a routine. Or some people will do, um, you know, brush your teeth, change into your jammies, read a story. That's routine. So whatever you decide your bedtime routine would be, just make sure that you start that every night. It has to be a routine for the baby to understand that it's bedtime. So with all that out of the way, I want to um, start with my firstborn with Adam this is what I did for him when he um, needed to be sleep trained. Um, he was actually pretty easy. It was the old school method. Um, and I guess it turns out to be the faded out method. But um, for him, what I would do is I would rock him and pat and hush. You know what I mean? So I would put him, I would give him his bottle first. Well, okay, I'll, let me start. I would do his routine first, make sure he had a clean diaper and give him his feeding and then I would put him over my shoulder to burp him and um, once he would burp I would keep him on my shoulder and I would rock and pat, rock and pat and shh shh, shh whenever he would like start a cry and then I would put him down. And so because I did that from the very beginning, um, he was very easily sleep trained. That's all it took. When he was tired, I would put him on my shoulder, and I would pat him, and he would fall asleep. Once he kind of started growing out of that, somewhere around like, I don't know, nine months or so, um, I would just put him down on his crib. Um, Oh, you know, I forgot. He really enjoyed the uh, crib mobile, the, you know, the little mobile with the... um, little things that hang down and has that twinkle twinkle little star song. So I would turn that on and pat and hush and rock. And like I said, once he outgrew that, I started putting him straight into his crib. And um, depending on what he wanted, sometimes he wanted to be on his belly. So I would tap on, I would pat him on his back and do the same thing. Or he would turn over and and I would be rubbing his chest and doing pretty much the same thing, shh, 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 you know, and that would be it. And and it was easy for him. Once he outgrew that, or not not exactly outgrew it, but he evolved to um, self-soothing. And his self, self-soothing involved himself rocking himself and, um, and sometimes headbanging, which at first I thought it was a concern, but it turns out that, you know, babies do that sometimes. They do a little bit of headbanging on the mattress, and that's a self-soothing method for babies because I I don't really understand it, but it's not hard. It's not harmful. They're, They're pretty much rocking themselves that way. Now, during the day for nap times, after six months, I relied more on either car rides or on the swing. He needed to be in motion, but about one and a half years old, he uh, kind of s- had a sleep regression, and I think that's because we had moved and it was the summertime. So it was getting later, or that is, it wasn't getting dark until about seven, seven thirty, eight o'clock. And because of that, he noticed that hey, it's daylight, it's not dark, and so we kind of had a bit of a sleep regression. So I had to try a different method, and so at that point I. I thought I was doing the cry it out method, but it turns out it was the Ferber method because I didn't just leave him in his room crying. I We would put him in his bed, and we would shut the door, and he would start crying. He would get up, and we'd get up and put him back in bed and tell him everything's okay. It's still bedtime, and we would walk out, and he would cry, and we would go back in. It's still okay. It's bedtime. So that took about three nights, but, I mean, he was, like, really wailing during that time. He was crying really hard. And that took about three nights for him to uh, finally get over it and realize like, you know, bedtime is bedtime when the routine has started. And so that was Adam's experience. Now, Leah was a little difficult um, because she was a colicky baby for the first three months. Not that I was trying to um, sleep train her before four months. It was just that she was colicky for the first three months. And I had stopped breastfeeding her right around like three, three and a half months. So once that happened, you know, I started bottle feeding her. So it was a perfect time, you know, with so much changes, it was a perfect time to uh, start doing uh, the sleep training. So what I did was the patent hush uh, as well, and I rocked her, but with her, it didn't work on its own. So I had to figure out a different way. So I would rock her in my arms and also throw the blanket or receiving blanket over my shoulder and over her. You know what I mean? I didn't put her on my shoulder. I would hold her in my arms and put the uh, blanket over me and her. And for some reason, I guess she really liked that because it reminded her of breastfeeding. Um, She liked that. I don't know. I call that the canary method because, you know, I'm covering her up. So she really can't see anything. And it soothed her. It calmed her. She also had her own soothing method, which was um, she used to suck her fingers. And that was something I could never break her from. She, She sucked her fingers until I think she was like four years old, maybe. But anyway, um, before doing all that, I would turn on the mobile. She really enjoyed the mobile as well. So she liked the music from the mobile, and I would rock her while I had the blanket over us, and when she would fall asleep, she was out, so I would put her down. So that worked, and then after she was a year old, it was just um, the bedtime routine, um, bath, toothbrush, uh, story, and then we would turn on the mobile and, and the nightlight, and she would cry and self-soothe and she she didn't cry much at bedtime because she would self self self-soothe with her you know sucking on her fingers and plus her and Adam shared the room so they would you know talk and giggle and play Um, they would stay in their beds and naps were pretty easy because she did self-soothe she would just fall asleep wherever she was. Like when she was tired, she would go lay down wherever she was and, you know, suck on her fingers and fall asleep. So nap times weren't a problem with her. Next is Sophia. And Sophia, everything has been easy with her. Everything has been easy with Sophia. I didn't even try to sleep train her until she was about six months. And that's only because I had stopped breastfeeding at six months. And so she needed a different routine. So. Prior to six months, like, you know, from zero to six months, she would breastfeed, I would burp her, I'd change her diaper, I could do whatever I needed to do and put her down with her sounds. Like she used to listen to uh, the white noise sound, which is like the ocean waves or rain. Plus her mobile, she also really liked the mobile as well. But after six months, I needed to come up with a different sleep method. So I started with the uh, bedtime routines usually it was a feed first, a bath, um, then the crib with the mobile. And I would give her her pacifier because she actually really liked her pacifier a lot. She self-soothed with it. So I would give her a pacifier, turn on her white noise and her mobile. And, you know, I would tell her, I love you. Good night. And I, w- I made sure to say good night. She needed to know that the word was good night for sleep time. And I would walk out and, you know, it's the Ferber method which is check and console. Um, so that's what I did. I would walk out. Um, she would start fussing a bit, and I would go in, tell her I love you, good night, give her her pacifier again, you know, make sure her white noise and her um, mobile were on and walk out. And then um, a minute later or two minutes later, same thing. So I did that the first night. I think I did that like 10 times the first night. And then the second night was only like five times. And she never would get to an actual cry, because I would go in there before she would actually start like really crying. And um, I I made sure not to pick her up. I just made sure that you know, she was okay. And I would like pat her and tell her, you know, I love you. Good night, good night, and kept giving her a pacifier and walking out. So by the third night, she, I, I think she only did it twice. She only like fussed or cried twice. And that was it. Like, From that night on, or the fourth night on, she knew good night meant good night, and she would go to sleep. And it was super easy, and she did really well with it because, like I said, she didn't actually start crying. She'd start fussing and, you know, a little bit of crying, but not like full-on crying. So then I started doing that during nap time as well. She would take actually three naps during the day and then um, sleep through the night. But during nap time, as soon as I would notice her like yawn or rub her eyes a bit, I would do the exact same thing. I'd pick her up. I would take her to the crib, turn on the mobile and the white noise, give her her pacifier and say good night. And she was good with that. But she was very dependent on the pacifier. So if she would wake up in the middle of the night and didn't have it, she would fuss and cry and we would just go give it to her and turn on the music again and she was good. So that was kind of the downfall because if she didn't have her pacifier, she would wake up and she would cry. And she really depended on it on until about, until about two and a half years old when I made her give it up. Now, next is Emily and... Um, no method worked for Emily none not one none worked for Emily because she was a high needs baby and i tried them all nap time never existed for her the only time that she would nap was during a feeding during breastfeeding that is but i mean she had to be on the breast you know if i tried to remove the breast from her she would wake up she would start crying and i would have to put it back in so yeah she <laughs> she was very difficult. So no sleep method worked for her, not the rocking, not the padding, not um, anything. And I'm talking about like her first 12 months. Um, No sleep training method worked. Um, The only thing that would work, like I said, was breastfeeding her. And The way that I would have to do it at nighttime, I would be in the rocking chair, I would be feeding her and, you know, as soon as she'd fall asleep, I'd try to lay her down, but then she would wake up. Now, I couldn't even burp her. I couldn't even put her over my shoulder and burp her because she would wake up and she would start screaming again. So I would have to put her on the breast again. And yeah, I know that that's not good, you know, to not burp her, but she would wake up crying because I woke her up. So the only way that it would work is as soon as I got that, like she would sigh like that. I knew I needed to get her off and transfer her straight to the crib because if I waited even two minutes too long, she would wake up. So as soon as I got that sigh from her, I would immediately put her down before that sigh I would have to like put her down like three to five times a night and pick her back up because um, because she would wake up. And when I tried the Ferber method of, you know, letting her cry for a little bit and then picking her up, that was a mistake because she would get more amped up. Like she would cry harder and harder and she would start flailing in her crib and she would end up like hitting herself like on on the crib, like on the the crib. And so I couldn't do that, and there's no way I was going to do cry it out because, you know, she, like I said, she would cry, it would get worse and worse. So eventually, I had no choice but to co-sleep with her. And when she would wake up in the middle of the night for feedings, there was no way I could change her diaper. No way, because she would, like, be screaming furiously. If, if I tried to change her diaper before feeding her, she would be screaming, screaming, screaming. There was, you know, I... Then I would have to really work at trying to console her and get her to calm down. Um, If I tried to change her diaper after she fell asleep, she would wake up. So unfortunately with her, there was just no changing her diaper in the middle of the night. Even if she woke up completely wet, even if she had poop, I just I couldn't take the risk of having her wake up or having her scream and cry more than usual, more than what a normal baby Would cry. So if I wanted her to nap, I would have to baby wear her. And I baby wore her a lot, like a lot I would baby wear her. And when I mean, let her nap, I mean, I would have to just baby wear her for an hour and walk and you know, do chores or dishes or eat like I would have to baby wear her so that she could sleep and if I didn't want to be breastfeeding her the whole time. And so that is what would happen. I could not transfer her from the carrier to her crib or to a couch or like I couldn't transfer her. So once she started, um, once I finally gave up and started just co-sleeping with her, then that made things a lot easier. So um, I would just lay down with her and as soon as she would fall asleep, I would unlatch and walk off sometimes if she didn't wake up. If I got that sigh, then I could do it. So I breastfed Emily up until 24 months. Um, But by that time, I was already eight months pregnant with Grace. And I had, at, at eight months, I had developed breastfeeding aversion. And I didn't even know that there was a name for it, and I found out later. But breastfeeding aversion, you know, very quickly, it's feelings of anger and irritability while breastfeeding the child and wanting the feedings to end. It makes your skin crawl. You're angry. You're upset. You're frustrated. You're irritated. And you just want the baby off or I just want wanted the baby off of me already, because I was already eight months pregnant, she was kicking and clawing at me and, you know, pretty aggressively, like pulling up my shirt whenever she wanted to. And um, so right after she turned two, I'm talking about like, two and two days. You know what I mean? I just had had enough. I was like, I it had gone to the point where I was just so, you know, full of rage that she was on me. I mean, I never did anything to her, obviously, but it just it bothered me so much that I was feeling that way while breastfeeding her and later I found out that there was an actual name for it breastfeeding aversion well anyway um That's when I decided I needed to cold turkey her. I just was not going to breastfeed anymore. I, I had gone away on my baby moon and it was the perfect time to just stop breastfeeding her. So when I came back, I knew I had to have a different sleep method and I needed her to start sleeping in her toddler bed because like I said, I was eight months pregnant. This new baby was coming soon and I needed her to be independent out of my bed and in her own toddler bed. And no more breastfeeding to sleep. So when I came back from, you know, our trip, I decided that, you know, I would tell her we're going to cuddle. We're not going to feed. We're going to cuddle. And I would actually sleep in her toddler bed. You know, eight months pregnant in this tiny little toddler bed, which the mattress is a crib size mattress. And I would climb in there with her and we would cuddle. And that worked, actually, you know, she, you know, it it took a while, but you know, it it did work. So we would cuddle and then um, she would fall asleep. And then I thought, well, this is good, but it's not good enough because as soon as a baby's born, I can't cuddle with her anymore. But I, I just, I, that was just what I had to do. So once the baby was born, I told her, I told Emily, you know, lay in your toddler bed I'm going to be sitting in the chair. This is where the chair method actually came into place for me. So I told her to stay in her toddler bed. And I was, you know, feeding the baby in the chair, which the chair was right next to her bed. And so I would breastfeed the baby while I was rocking and breastfeeding the baby to sleep. She would sometimes fall asleep before the baby. Sometimes she didn't. So if she had fallen asleep and the baby or she hadn't fallen asleep and the baby was was asleep, I would put the baby down in her crib and continue to sit in the chair until she would fall asleep. And that was actually pretty difficult because she depended on me to rock in the chair and wait for her to fall asleep. And she would sometimes like stare at me and I would stare back at her from the chair. So I would tell her, you know, stop looking at me, you know, look ahead, you know, fall asleep. So I had to do that for about a year and a half. and, And that's finally what worked, I mean, it worked to help her fall asleep in her own bed, but it didn't really work out for me because it took a whole year and a half. And the only reason why it took a year and a half is in the next story with Grace. Now, because Emily was such high needs, it was very difficult to sleep train Grace, not because of Grace, but because Emily would purposely wake her up and shake her and you know talk loud when she knew that she was trying to fall asleep now this is only during nap times because bedtime we we figured it out I had to breastfeed her to sleep and put her down and and then that would work out but I'm talking about nap times nap times Emily would make sure to wake her up so because of that I had to do a lot of baby wearing of grace as well in order to protect her from Emily Which is really hard because she had so many um, items that could have helped her out. You know, I could have put her in her bassinet. I could have put her in her soothing chair. I could have put her in the pack and play, had a upper level where, you know, for newborns that you could put them in the upper level to sleep if you don't want them in the bassinet. And but I couldn't do that because Emily would go and shake it and or she would go make noise in the crib or in the room, that is, and make noise and wake her up. Or she would um, try to hang on to the soothing chair, and so that would wake her up. So if I wanted her to sleep, I would have to baby carry her so to make sure that Emily didn't wake her up. So again, for bedtime, uh, for Grace, I would feed to sleep and the chair method for Emily. But because they shared the same room, I couldn't do any other type of sleep training for Grace. Otherwise, it would interrupt Emily and it would wake her up. So I really had to sacrifice good sleeping habits for Grace in order to get Emily comfortable. And, you know, and I'm paying the consequences now because of it, because they both developed bad sleep habits. And this is how. So I breastfed Grace for 13 months. And on her 13th month, She self-weaned, and she decided that she didn't want to breastfeed anymore, so... I had to come up with a different sleep method. So what I tried was rocking her in the chair and continued the same uh, chair method with Emily. And so that worked for about another six months until it didn't work anymore. So after that, I decided that I was gonna turn on the uh, YouTube lullabies for babies, like nighttime lullabies. And I put them both on their beds and they would, listen and watch the little baby lullaby videos for about an hour, and then they would fall asleep. And that worked for all of us. (laughs) Because I was finally not spending two to three hours trying to get these girls to sleep. They would, you know, get sleepy and tired just watching the lullaby videos. And that's it. That's what I did. That's what they're doing to this day. They develop very bad sleep habits. They cannot fall asleep on their own and they need something to watch while going to sleep. Now, I don't think I would have had that much of a difficult time with Grace had they not been sharing a room and had Emily not been so high needs because I needed to really plan everything around Emily. So those were the sleep training methods that I had tried. Okay, so even though I really like the flavor of peppermint in my CBD oil that I get from Friendly Family CBD, I know some people don't really like that taste and it's okay because we also offer gummies. These colorful little gummies allow you to enjoy the benefits of pure CBD hemp oil in a delicious and convenient way. Each gummy contains 20 milligrams of CBD hemp oil, helping to promote overall health. For more information, click on the website link in the show notes. Now, back to our show. Moving on, now to potty training. I know that there are a couple of different methods, but I mean, honestly, they're all pretty much, they all pretty much have the same basic cores, which is, you know, praise and positive reinforcement, training diapers versus training underwear, bottomless or uh, training time versus age. So but in the end, I mean it all leads to the child learning to pee and poop in the toilet. The only one that I see that it's pretty different is the infant training or the elimination training. and that's basically done um, before the baby is a year old, so from zero to 12 months. And that's actually how my mom, um, that's old school. That is as old as time, as old as women have been having babies, the elimination method. Um, and that's what my mom did uh, with us. What it is, is that, you know, babies have cues, just like with breastfeeding, just like with tiredness. Um, they have cues that lets you know when they're ready to eliminate. And um, basically what you do is you keep the child bottomless or like wearing a gown And when they give those cues, you are ready to rush them to the toilet or, you know, the pot and let them eliminate like that. And my mom says that she did that with all three of us, myself and my brothers, because she was a stay at home mom. So she she was able to do that. And um, we were all potty trained by by the time we were one year old. So she says that, you know, that's what they did in her little pueblo. And so that's how she learned. That's how she you know taught her brothers and sisters and so when she had us that's what she did with us and so that one's like really interesting I didn't do that like on purpose I didn't do that I did it a couple of times with Sophia but um, that one's a really interesting one and like I said that's old as time that's been from the beginning of women having children and I don't know it got lost in modern society it got lost in diapering it got lost so with that one being the only different, like real different one, the rest are pretty much the same. It just, like I said, it's just, you know, time versus age, you know, potty chair versus uh, seat insert for the toilet, underwear or bottomless or, you know, uh, pull-ups, things like that. So here's my experience with Adam. Um, you know, honestly, with Adam, I didn't even think of potty training him. Because, I mean, I don't even know why. I just didn't even think of potty training him. And he was already, he was three years old. I think he was a little bit older than three, almost, maybe almost three and a half. And my mom mentioned it, like, when are you going to start potty training him? I'm like, what? Potty training? And to me, it just seemed like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I was overwhelmed by it. I don't know if I just didn't want to think about it. I don't know what I was thinking but. When she mentioned it, I thought, okay, well, I guess I should start trying to potty train him. You know, he he is, you know, older than three, a little bit older than three. So I'm going to go ahead and start. And um, he was surprisingly extremely easy um, because he already could communicate with me. Um, I had just told him, hey, Adam, I'm running out of uh, diapers for you. So we're going to have to learn to potty train and I'm not going to have any more diapers for you. OK. And he looked at me and he understood. He goes, no more diapers. And I said, no, no more diapers. And he said, OK. And so when he ran out of his diapers, um, I got him some you know, training underwear and I had gotten him a potty chair and I started teaching him to potty in the chair and he got it immediately as soon as there was no more diapers he immediately got it and i was taking him every 2 hours to the potty and every time i needed to go i would sit down and he would sit down and we would both go together and he got it he got it i it took me 2 days to potty train him he had the very first night he had a accident and that was the one time that was it The next day, he got it again, and that was it. Like, he understood super easy. Couldn't believe how easy that was. So because it was so easy, I thought that, you know, Leah would be even easier because they say that girls are easier. Wrong. She was difficult. Um, She refused. She refused to learn. I started uh, trying to teach her at two and a half, but um, I don't know. I think she was just scared to... P like she, I think she was scared of the free flow of nothing catching it. So she was scared of it. She was scared of the toilet. She was scared of the potty. She was scared of not having any diaper on. Um, she didn't even want underwear. Like she she was scared of it. So at two and a half, I thought, okay, well she's not ready. So I stopped. And then I tried again um, around three. At that time, I you know I tried again. And again, she was scared. She was scared of the potty. She was scared of the toilet. She was scared of um, not having the diaper to catch it. She was uh, scared of the free flow. And we had a lot of accidents. We did. We had a lot of accident. It took like two weeks. And I really needed the help of my babysitter, you know, so I told her, you know, hey, I'm trying to potty train her and, you know, she's having accidents. She's just not getting it. She doesn't want it. So the babysitter helped out a lot. And because she was potty training Leah, her own son started to learn to potty train as well. And he he caught on faster than Leah. So because he was a year younger than Leah, I don't know if she felt like it was competition or what, but she saw that. The boy had done it and he learned how to do it. So then she started doing it. And so it did, she did finally learn, but it took her two weeks and a lot of accidents. Now, like I mentioned with Sophia, it was quite by accident that I held her over the toilet as she uh, pooped. And it happened to be, it was just a few times. It happened to be a couple of times when she was in the bath and I saw her face and I was like, oh no. Oh no. And I pulled her out and I put her over the toilet a couple of times. And sure enough, she pooped. And um, then a couple of times when it was in the middle of a diaper change where she started to push, I'm like, oh, no. And I would go take her to the toilet and she would poop in the toilet. And quite by accident, I wasn't trying to train her like that. I wasn't, you know, it was just a quite by accident. And like I said, this was, you know, about a year and under. But around 20 months old, she began to show readiness. And because my mom was babysitting, she started training her on a like a toilet seat insert and she when as soon as she would wake up she would take her straight to the potty and have her pee and then she just started saying oh you know she's really catching on so I'm gonna potty train her for you I'm like okay that sounds great to me and yeah my mom potty trained her and I mean obviously when I would get home from work I would you know take over and so she learned to uh be potty trained um still wearing a diaper or a pull up that is like she didn't even have like underwear. So she learned pretty quickly, even though she had the um, diaper or, or pull up. Um, I would say, like I said, my mom did most of it. So I would say that it, it didn't take her too long, like a couple of days. So she was definitely potty trained before she even turned two years old. But after her second birthday, her dad and I, we broke up, we, you know, went through something and we broke up. And that Disruption in her life um, caused her to regress, and she started um, wetting herself, and she just stopped potting. You know, she started wetting herself. She started pooping herself. We had to get the diapers again, and and I knew it was you know it was her own stress, knowing that you know Daddy wasn't there anymore, and so I didn't try to potty train her again until she was about two and a half years old, and it took about 2 weeks because she was still being shuffled between me and him and you know it was stressful like the babies they understand like they know they they know something's different they know something's wrong and it was stress on her and it took her 2 weeks to relearn how to potty train but mostly because she was under stress and she was shuffling back and forth between me and her dad now as for emily i wanted to try to potty train her before the new baby would be born because I didn't want to be changing two diapers all day long. So I tried starting to potty train her right after she turned two, but she would kick and scream and she would jump off where, you know, she would hurt herself, right? So she would jump off the potty and she didn't want anything to do with it. You know, I got her like a little um, toilet insert that had Minnie Mouse on it and I had, you know, Tinkerbell on it. I got her two. And she didn't like either of them. She was like, I don't care. No, I don't want to. And she just kept saying no, no, no. And she just kicked and screamed and she would jump off the toilet and she just wouldn't do it. And then I got her, I had also gotten her a little um, potty chair. No, she didn't want any of it. She refused. She did not want to. She was not ready. So I had to give up and say, okay, I guess I'm changing two diapers. So because she didn't want to, I just waited. And At two and a half, I tried again, and this time I went the route with, oh, let me buy you underwear. Look, you got pretty little underwear, my little pony underwear. You know, you're a big girl just like Sophia. Sophia wears underwear, and you know, Emily adores Sophia. She thinks that, you know, she's her hero, so I had to play up Sophia. And I told her, look, Sophia's a big girl, and she wears underwear. Only babies wear diapers. You're not a baby anymore, right? And she would be like, well, no, I'm a big girl. I go, yeah, you're a big girl. You're not a baby anymore. You know, big girls wear underwear. So I had to really play up the big girl wear underwear. And so at, at two and a half, you know, I, I started, you know, getting her excited about it. And there was no pressure. I told her, you know, once you're ready to putty, you know, make make potty, I will put on your underwear. And so until then, you're going to wear uh, pull-ups. And so I started also sitting her dolls like her dolls and her stuffed bears and you know her stuffies on the potty chair and I'm like oh look at your baby's going potty oh look at your bear is going potty and so she would get confused at first she was pissed off like she would scream and grab her her dolls and toys and stuff and she would scream no and she would run off with them but after a while you know she saw that I was doing that I'm like oh look they're going potty you know, let's wipe them. And so I I did the whole let me play a game with you. And then she finally started getting interested in it. She started sitting on the potty chair with fully clothed with her, you know, diaper and everything on. And I said, you know, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. So I let her do that. So I let her play with her potty chair for a while um, until she made the decision herself that she wanted to try to potty in it. And so once she did, I was like, all four. I'm like, okay, let's do it together. You go in your potty chair, I'll go in the, in the toilet. And so that worked. That, that worked for her. She was interested. And then she saw that, you know, when Sophia would go into the bathroom, she would go in there with her potty chair. Sometimes she wouldn't even go. She would just, she would go through the motions and try. And that worked. And so we did that for a week. And within a week, she she was good to train. And then, so she was asking me, when can I wear my underwear? I'm like, okay, you want to start wearing your underwear now? Let's put on your pretty little underwear. And so we did that, and it worked. Like, she was potty trained within the week. No more diapers, no more pull-ups, no overnights anymore. So within the week, she was good. Now, last but not least and certainly not boring, is Grace. So Grace started showing readiness and interest in making potty when she was about 20 months old. But the only reason why I didn't start at that time is because we were selling our house and we were buying a new house and I just thought that it was gonna be too many changes and it was just gonna set her up to fail. So I didn't want to start potty training her at the time that she started showing readiness. So I waited until a few days after she turned two. And I thought it was the perfect time because we had just moved into our new house, Um, Emily and Sophia had just started school, so I had all my time to devote to her to potty train her. But like I say, Grace is a very independent baby. She's independent, she's feisty, and she does things her way and at the time that she wants to get it done. So with that said, she didn't want my help. So. I got her, you know, the potty chair and um, I kept like, as soon as she would wake up, I would sit her down on the insert and she would go. But during the day, she would refuse to tell me or to sit down and do it at the time that I wanted her to do it. It had to be during the time that she wanted. And so what I started finding out is that she would, you know, I would take off the, I didn't have the training pants on her, the Um, pull ups on her, I was leaving her in an underwear, the training underwear. And what she would do is um, she I would have the potty chair in the living room in her like family room, where she plays and she watches like TV and stuff. And she would just do it on her own. You know, I would take her to the bathroom. I would tell her, Come on, Gracie, it's time to go potty. And she wouldn't like she's like, No, 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 I don't want to she wouldn't sit down. And not two minutes later, she'd go to the living room or like her family room to the potty. And she'd come back and be like, I poo, I pee peed, I did it. And she would be carrying the um, potty (laughs) full of pee, but she wouldn't pull down her pants. So she was dripping and she had the potty full of pee. And so I would have to tell her, no, 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 Grace, not like that. You have to tell me, you have to tell me. And if you're not going to tell me, you have to pull down your pants. And so we did that for oh my gosh, forever, like she just was not getting it. And so after a week, I took everything off. I'm like, you know what, you're going to be bottomless. And so I made her, I made her go bottomless. And she was still doing the same thing. She wouldn't tell me and she would like walk up with the potty full of pee and be like, I did it. And I was just getting so frustrated that she wouldn't tell me and that she wasn't doing it right because she was still peeing through and you know I was just getting so frustrated that I told my husband I go oh, you know what I think I'm gonna fail at this like maybe she's just not ready and it had been two weeks already and then finally one day we're passing by the bathroom and she tells me oh no no I gotta go poo I gotta go poo and so I grabbed her immediately like as we were passing it by and you know I had the toilet seat insert and so I sat her down right away and she pooed And I guess that was what she needed to get it, right? So after that, she started telling me when she needed to go and that I was going to help her. And so she got it. You know, she would tell me when she needed to go. I would sit her down. I would help her. I would clean her up. She would pull up her underwear and it was perfect. So basically what I did was, you know, when she wakes up, put her on the potty every two hours, I keep checking on her. And then um, before bath time, before we leave anywhere, I make sure I sit her down on the potty and you know before bedtime I would sit her down on the potty and so it worked that worked for her so after two weeks she was good but then um, I think it was the weather changed you know and it started getting very cold so she started having uh, nighttime accidents you know she started having bedtime accidents and so with that I decided okay you know she every time she falls asleep because she's cold she's you know wetting herself so we're gonna have to get pull-ups again until she learns how to hold it during this cold weather. So that's what we did. And she had learned she she was already pretty good. Like she had already gone, um, I would say like five days without peeing um, the bed without wetting the bed. But it just so happened to be the week that we got the dog, we got a new dog, Lucy, and she was jealous of Lucy. She was jealous of Lucy. And she even barked and bit us, you know, because you know, she pretended to be a dog. So not only that, but also she had gotten constipated. And so I thought, okay, I'm not going to let her wear pull ups anymore, because she she finally learned how to hold it during her sleep, you know, during the cold weather. But that day, I was going to go get my hair done. And I was afraid that, you know, this was going to be the first time we were driving and she probably was going to fall asleep and she probably was going to wet herself in the car. seat. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to leave the pull up on her. And I went to go get my hair done and she, like I said, she had been constipated and she kept trying to go and she couldn't go. And so while I was there at the salon, um, my hairstylist was eating um, Flaming Hot Cheetos Uh, She was pregnant and she had a craving for it. So she was eating Flaming Hot Cheetos and Gracie just started sneaking, you know, Flaming Hot Cheeto chips. And she started like sneaking them and started eating them. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't even know that she could eat them. I thought they would be too spicy for her, but she was able to eat them. And then because I'm sure it was because of the spicy Flaming Hot Cheetos, she looked at me and she kind of bent down. And I was like, Oh, no, (laughs) no, she pooped herself. And I was like, Oh, no. And so she started crying. It was a big deal to her because you know, she she hadn't done that in so long. And Oh, by the way, she had been potty trained for four months, four full months. And so At that point when she had her poop accident, I told her, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, you were sick. You were constipated. Don't worry about it. It's okay. You know, you had an accident. You know, let's just clean you up and that's it. Well, I told her, don't worry about it. It was an accident. She heard green light. You don't ever have to potty again. And since January, she has refused to potty train and i think it had everything to do with you know the weather the dog and the constipation and so i put on the pull-ups again on her and so she ever since then since january she's decided that she is not going to potty that's too much responsibility for her and she would rather me change her diaper and so i spent like a whole month trying to get her back on the on the potty you know trying to train her again and she refused she knew what to do she knows how to do it she just flat out refused she would say no she would start screaming and crying she would jump off the potty and so I thought okay you know what I'm not going to force it I'll just try again later you know when she's ready to do it again and now that the girls that Emily and Sophia are out of school I thought you know what this is a perfect time you know they're out of school you know um, it's six months later or you know five months later and I'm going to try again. So. The girls were out of school for about a week, and I thought, okay, I'm going to start potty training her, and it started going good again, but then I had a heart attack, (laughs) and I spent four days away from her. Well, actually, I spent longer. I spent like almost a whole week away from her, and my mom wasn't keeping up with the potty training because, you know, she was worried about me, plus she had all the kids there and my niece, Sarah, as well, so she wasn't able to um, keep up the potty training with her. So um, since it's been three weeks, since my um, episode, my hospital stay, I decided, you know what, it's time to get going again. Like it's time for you to learn how to potty train again. And she, I'm telling you that this baby, she is so smart and she is so independent and it has to be on her timeline that I started putting, you know, taking off the uh, pull-ups and putting on her underwear and she started like noticing when I was like busy or occupied and she would run back, take off her underwear, put on her pull up and just have her safety net of the pull up. She she doesn't want the responsibility, I'm telling you. So I started hiding the pull ups from her and I keep telling my husband that's it like no more pull ups don't buy anymore because she's going to continue to use that as a safety net if she has no choice but to have underwear the potty training would be easier but we're I guess he's afraid of accidents and he thinks that she needs it and I'm like I would rather have accidents and get her trained than to keep giving her the safety net of the pull ups So, in short, we are in the middle of retraining Gracie. But at the end of the day, you know, the most important part of potty training is two things. Number one, that the child is ready. And number two, that the trainer is consistent. That's all it takes to potty train. That's it. So with that said, that is the end of this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, If you did, please share with a mom friend. And if you can, please do rate and review the podcast. Doing so will help the podcast get better rankings and it will be also more visible for other people to find the podcast. So please do uh, rate and review. I would really greatly appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, share it with a mom friend. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to Chapters of Motherhood podcast. You can rate and review on Apple podcast. You can leave me a voicemail message on Anchor FM. Also, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Chapters of Motherhood or Twitter at Mother Podcaster. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Veronica. Tune in each week to find your chapter of motherhood.